My grandpa has the coolest podcast. You gotta listen to it. Or else I'll punch you in the face. You know, if you're able to get inside my brain, you know, and hear <laughs> what my thoughts are, you would understand quickly that they fray in a bunch of different directions. Uh, professionally, I was a hockey player, and now I'm a coach. You know, so one would think that's kind of what I live and breathe, you know, but that's not actually the case. Though I love what I do, there's uh, so much outside of the game that I'm really passionate about. I'm a, I'm a bit of a music and guitar freak, and I love motorcycles and the arts. I even like history and geography through my travels. My podcast is about all of these things, and I speak with some really cool people about some really cool shit that I've met throughout my career. And yeah, you will probably hear the odd hockey story. <laughs> so join me inside my brain, man, and welcome to My Mommy Thoughts. Alright, well before we get going here, I should mention... Support for Motley Thoughts is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. And big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. You know, one of the coolest things, uh, the other day when I was using the thing, the, the lawnmower 3.0, I was couldn't get over how quiet the thing was. And it, nothing worse than thinking that everybody in the whole house or the whole world knows you're shaving the junk. Anyways, <laughs> that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium, man. The battery lasts up to like 90 minutes so you can have a closer and longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show you're more off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience firsthand for yourself and trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DUSTY70 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. (laughs) All right. And back to our regular scheduled programming. All right. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, I have a real cool guest for today's podcast, and I'm really excited because I haven't actually spoken to him 
in like, I think since 2014, you know, we follow each other, you know, on uh, social media and what's up with each other on, on the World Wide Web. But uh, this is going to be quite cool to get caught up uh, on the podcast. This gentleman is currently playing pro over in Germany. Um, he has, you could say, uh, taken the hard route to get there. Uh, started in college, undrafted, battled in the coast, and then uh, went to St. John's in the American League. And ta-da! And that is where we met when I was with the Winnipeg uh, Jets organization. Uh, then in 2015, he headed over to Germany, uh, where he seems to have really found a home for him and his family. I'm super stoked to have him on here. Uh, he loves hockey, as do I. He loves cranking tunes, as, as do I. And he loves tattoos, uh, me too. Uh, and lastly, he loves his family, checkmark. Uh, it gives me great, great pleasure in welcoming uh, my friend, Mr. Cody Lampham. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. It's been way too long. Way, way too, too long. long. It's it's way weird with, with social media. You yeah, you stay connected, but it's it's not the same. You know, it's, I know it's it's, it's crazy to think about that. It's been that long. I guess it's been it's been seven seasons now, coming on eight seasons. Yeah, and uh, but I feel like I've been there along the way, even though we <laughs> haven't even seen each other. You know, it, it, social media is a wild thing. You know. Uh, it's really weird too, because we we were only together for the one season, and there were all kinds of you know other people in in, in my life and your life at that time. I had when when I think it was Hutchison at that time, and, and Okinora and, and Pasquale and these goalies that I was working with. But oddly enough, I had this. I really enjoyed your company, and uh, I, I really felt I connected with you and, and just your personality. And then we kind of just went like this, both went our separate ways. But I always loved watching how you were doing and your family and your family growing up. I just thought it was really cool. So, yeah, it's well, you know, it's, um, you know, when you find something, you know, I, I think it's St. John's, especially like uh, Keith, like ran such a, you know, he was, pretty you know he I guess he'd, he'd be a little bit of a control freak you know in terms <laughs> yeah. of and and every yeah. and every one of the coaches there was like very buttoned up and a little bit nervous around him kind of like that's the feeling oh, yeah. I got that was the feeling I got you know so when we were you know together and able to just like talk and shoot yeah. the shit and whatever you know it was like it was hard to get personality really out of anybody in that in that yeah. environment I guess yeah. you know yeah, well, it's no secret. Everybody says but keeps buttoned up about it, but the truth of the matter is that's kind of how it was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was earlier in my NHL development, uh, my role. That part was my first time doing it, so you're always worried about stepping on toes. But uh, I always told my wife when I went into it, it was just going to be me, and and. Uh, and that's what kind of got me for moving forward in, in the long run, just staying who I was. But it was tough <laughs> at the yeah. beginning with that group. Uh, not like like I I had a great time. I got to know Mark Morrison, uh, and I really liked him. Uh, and he was one of the assistants there. But it really was tough in that atmosphere. It with my personality. Yeah. Wait, mess. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, it's the same way. It was always going is that you, you know, I think when you're playing as a player, at least or coaching, like when you're, when you're the most confident 
because you're not thinking of, you know, am I making a mistake here? Am I stepping over the, you know, am I being too, you know, and when you don't have to think about that and your personality can just free flow, you can be creative, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can be well-rounded and everything just kind of clicks. And, and it's, um, I fully understand that. I mean, you could just, you know, it was definitely an environment where we had a ton of fun, but yeah. I think at least with the coaching staff, you know, I think it was, they were very reserved. And I think that was their expectation, um, you know, and, and I get it, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, some coach, but I think a lot of coaches too, maybe if they, um, if they kind of are very controlling, then, you know, they probably don't want somebody to be more like than someone else. And they want to stick in the system. And sometimes that's a little bit of an insecurity that, you know, yeah. not saying that he was, you know, the coach was always because he was an unbelievable coach, but it was definitely a more uh, reserved coaching staff. And that was his style. Yeah. Oh, it definitely was. There's no secret about that. It yeah. Was, right. It, it yeah. was well known like that. Yeah. And, you know, it did get results at that time. You know, we had a, that was a, that was a, a fun run uh, and uh, a great experience for me all the way, uh, all the way around in uh, helping me learn, but, and learn how to deal with the, the whole NHL um, business uh, circle of life and how it's yeah. run. And, and you yeah. can, you, it really was a difficult thing for me because I wasn't like that at all as a player or yeah. as a coach. And I, but I, I'm very uh, happy that I stuck with my belief early on that I was just going to stay true to me. And uh, I took some heat along the way, but it's, yeah. it's, I think it's a better, I, I'm trying to be an advocate for that way of coaching, uh, not just for goalie coaches, but I think it's uh, the old way of doing things. And, and some of the old school guys are like, hey, you know, don't, uh, don't cross that line. Don't be friends with the players and, and whatnot. And, I didn't buy that and uh, I still don't. And I believe you can have or still have respect from your players, but the, having that connection and that closeness with them is what makes me good at my job. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think as coming from a player perspective, I mean, as a coach, I think your job is to get the most out of each player. Right. And you know what, however you get those results, some guys, whatever, some guys, uh, um, react more to screaming. Some guys need to be coddled a little bit. Some guys yeah. just want to be, you know, be able to talk on a, on a, uh, you know, a same playing field level, not necessarily not saying that they won't take criticism or listen, but sometimes, you know, they don't want to be talked down to, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, I mean, that's the thing about being a coach or being a, a manager or being any sort of position of where you have people, you know, under you, um, you know, that, that you're kind of an authority figure with is that it's your job to get the most out of that player and or most out of that person at work, be it. And there are so many different styles um, of doing that. And I think that's what makes a good coach is their ability to adapt to the to the people that you have, because um, you're not just able to get a new person every single time and you have to work with people's personalities you know, mm-hmm. wherever their background may be. And I think that's part of it. And especially, you know, now it's such a grind playing hockey and everything. And if you're not, you know, if someone's not coming to work, excited to be around the person they're working with, then you're just leaving effort on the table. You know, even though you might be thinking uh, you're working extremely hard, but hard work 
is then harder. And uh, oh, yeah. when you're having a good time yeah. and you have a great relationship, then you're able to put out more effort with more ease. You know, I totally agree. I totally agree. If you're, I, and I've said that to all the guys that I've coached is uh, if you love, if, if you, you're loving yourself and what you're doing, uh, what you put out there is just so much more than what would be if you're not enjoying yourself. And I, I, uh, I lived it uh, for, for a lot of years, especially earlier on in my career. And, and uh, so I, I use those experiences because I remember them. Yeah, of <laughs> course. I remember hating, hating hockey and my life and this, and just blame. And you, then you get blaming, you start <laughs> pointing fingers and it just put, takes you down a serious snowball, a hill and uh, it's not good. So I've really tried to be an advocate uh, coaching positivity and uh, yeah, some people need a little more shove than others, but I think the general uh, basis of you know being supportive and caring and 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 being friends with and, and wanting them to do well it only helps helps me anyways in my coaching well and especially when you're put in that position you're not there to scout or do this like you're there to to make the the goalies or the players that you have the best they can be yeah, so yeah. whatever you're given you know then it's your job to maximize their talent their effort their ability yeah. and um and and whatever way that you're able to do that to me is the right way. You yeah. know, it's like, regardless of what that way is, if you're getting the most out of them, then that's the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Hey, let's, uh, before we, I want to, <laughs> I really want to yeah. get into the St. John's thing. Yeah. But before yeah, that, sure. I want to know how your family's doing yeah, and, sure. and, and everything. Cause let's, let's start with, uh, you're over in, you're over in Germany right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So where, I'm in, where, I'm, in oh, I'm in Manheim, Germany right now. Okay. So I I've just finished, um, three years here in Manheim and I'm actually getting ready for a move to Straubing. So, uh, I just signed with Straubing. Uh, I just, I just got back from there this today. Actually, I went and worked out with the team, just like checked in, uh, moved a bunch of stuff from our house. Um, while the family's still here because our kids are still in school right now right. in Mannheim. So just got back, met all the, all the German guys that are on 12 month contracts. So right. went and worked out with them for the day. Uh, kind of saw everyone got a house, whatever it takes. So I'll kind of go back and forth for the next three weeks or so, uh, while the kids and everyone are in school finishing up here for the month of June. Um, and then we're headed to a new chapter. Um, you know, and this is, I think this is the first time, you know, in my career, I'm at the point with the families old enough where I feel bad for the kids about a move, you know, yeah. and even though it's going to be so exciting, it's going to be great. Our neighborhood and the relationships that we've gotten here in our town of Plankstadt, Germany, has been so incredible that I feel I feel bad that the kids are going to have to move schools they don't have, you know, our, our neighbors and the kids in the neighborhood, they're literally mm -hmm. like family. Um, and, uh, and I feel bad for that, mm -hmm. but I also, you know, know that with everything, you know, new opportunity comes, uh, I know when, you know, when the kids, whenever we would leave somewhere else, uh, you know, they'd always be 
a little bit disappointed to leave. And then as soon as they get there, they didn't even remember the old, play, you know, <laughs> so, so I'm really excited for them, but it's also going to be, uh, you know, we've been here for three years. We, we haven't gone home in the summer. We've stayed here because the kids have been in school and it really has become like home. And, and now it's time for a new chapter. So. I was going to add that. I, well, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. So you stayed the, the, the whole year then. So we stayed because the way the school the schooling works is that uh, school does not finish in Baden-Württemberg until July 30th. So oh, yeah. we, they'd get two. So now all of a sudden I don't get teacher summers anymore, you know? So it's <laughs> like, so now, so as soon as the season's over with, um, and, and I think this is another thing that's actually been a little bit tough for me to get used to because um, since we've stayed over here, I've been on 12 month contracts. So I basically had, 11 and a half months of team practices over here, which oh. has been an absolute <laughs> grind, you know, and I'm, you know, 35 in a couple of weeks here and, oh. you know, I'm not 20 anymore. And <laughs> all of a sudden a different type of training where you don't get to go and work with your trainer who you've worked with for, you know, I've worked with my same trainer for the last 20 years, knows my body, knows this. Yeah, yeah knows that. And now, you know, you're back on basically a junior program where every single person is doing the same exact thing. It doesn't matter what your history is and that's how it's done. So that's been a big time adjustment. But anyway, so school gets over right. um, July 30th. We have a couple week break in May and then July 30th. So normally when I go home from middle of May until, you know, basically July 25th or if Champions League were to happen July 20th, I would get those two and a half months back in the States and we would go see grandparents and everything like that. Right. And we, and we haven't, uh, yeah, since the kids ever since Harbor started school, um, you know, now she'll be in third grade here. We, we haven't been able to go home or had that break, but it's also been, uh, it's been great too, you know, to not have to make that move kind of twice, a, you know, twice a year. Um, yeah, that, but at the same it's time, it's crazy. It's crazy to think though that we'll uh I got a 20 month old boy now and it's crazy I saw to think that. that it and it's crazy to think that my parents probably won't see him until he's three. Yeah. You know, so it's wild to think about that. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's but it is a you especially later in your career with kids, you start to think about other things like uh how it's affecting them and uh it starts to the, the scale starts to tip. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, more and more each year and i remember you know, the final year i i ended up playing i i would have played another four or five years if they would keep they were going to offer me another contract but i had played the last three years by myself and the family came home to kind of get the kids situated because they were getting more into serious hockey and, and shit so uh the last year I said, yeah, they want off me contract. And my wife was like, if you sign that, you might as well just stay there. <laughs> well, and, and my wife is now she's the, she's the op. She never wants to come home. She wants to go well, home. Like she wants to be in Germany. Really? She thinks awesome. I can play for, she thinks I can play forever. And I'm like, I'm getting old. Like, I mean, I know I can play, but like it gets harder and harder every year, you know, and, and I think, and now I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited is because, you know, the last three years I've been in such a good program, but it's also such a good program for developing young talent. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot harder on the older guys because we, you know, our work ethic, I mean, the work that we do is just insane. And 
it doesn't stop. And since we have such a deep team, such this is it, it really, it takes years off your career, you know, and, and I'm excited to kind of go to a team that really, you know, I'm like, what's your focus is your focus on my VO two test or what I run the 3000 meter in, or is it on our Friday and Sunday games and being the best at these games? And that's like the goal, you know? So that was like a, that was a big thing of at least being able to play. And that'll be a nice kind of refresher and, you know, going down there today, Mm -hmm. getting my first workout in and saying, Hey, like, what's your, this is what we do. This is just a framework though. What's your previous training? Like what's injuries that you've dealt with? And it's completely different. And it just kind of just, you know, now I feel 25 again, all of a sudden, you know, just a shot of life into me. So it's, uh, I'm pretty excited for the, for the new challenge here. Well, that's great. And it's great that you, you, uh, you have a wife that is, uh, at that stage where she's, she wants, oh, she too wants supportive, to too supportive. She thinks she, she's like, you know, I'm like, babe, I'm, you know, I've been the oldest defenseman on the team by two years for this. Like, you know, I, people are going to want, Oh, people want you. They're going to give you con. They're going to do this. And I, and I'm like, you know, I'm just like, I'm just preparing her for when it doesn't yeah, happen, yeah, yeah. you know? And, and she, she's the one that keeps it super. And I'm all, and I'm a positive guy. I'm this, right. but I'm also like, Hey, look, you know, if, if I don't get a contract here or I don't do this and, and yeah, I knew I probably wouldn't be coming back to Mannheim. I knew there'd be contracts elsewhere, but I said, you know, at a certain point there's, there's uh, you know, how much you're getting paid to how much it's worth yeah, because yeah. with my game, it's not like I can go and like chill a little bit or I'm a half wall guy or I'm this, like <laughs> I'm getting car crashes every night. I'm playing the same way, whether I'm in the top league in Germany or whether I'm playing, you know, a, Czech senior league, you know, it's right. like my <laughs> yeah. game is the exact same way. So the cost benefit all of a sudden, like it still has to be pretty good living before I get off of my life, you know? <laughs> well, Hey, if you're enjoying it right now and the family is in, that's the key, right? If uh, yeah, big there, time. Do, there does come a crossroads where, you know, kids hit a, an age where things, different things become important. Uh, but it sounds like everybody's on board right now with, for you. And oh, they're, yeah, you. they're not letting, they're, they're the biggest yeah support factor. And, and I think that I, I'd, I'd want to retire before they would want me to. So <laughs> they're uh, yeah, no, they're great. They love it. And um, no, it's, it's just nice. And it's nice that the kids are old enough to enjoy it and to see, you know, all the teammates and they, they're super fans of like some other guys that they love over like right. huge, like, my daughter was absolutely in love with Timmy Stutzla, you know, with, with cider, with Marcus Eisenschmidt, like guys that are just phenomenal people, but are end up going to, you know, everyone in the world that's a hockey fan is going to know who these guys are, you know? So yeah. it's pretty incredible that they're like that good of dudes too, that, uh, that, um, you know, then they're going to have special careers too. So that, that's very cool. And I, and I saw there that the kids, uh, uh, well, your two girls had had hockey gear on. In some of the yeah, places. yeah. So yeah. they so they're putting on the blades then. Yeah, they're putting on the skates. We we're lucky enough that they, you know, they get to go out and skate. They they haven't been able to play because of you know everything that was going yeah. on in the last year and a half. So they haven't been able, but we were lucky enough to be able to get a little bit of ice time for them and then come out and skate. And they just love to skate. I mean, they love to be around up, you know, and I I'm the same way. I just anything that I'm doing, they love. Anything they're doing, I love, you know. So it's just it, it was this year was a tough year, but for me, 
I mean, I was around the five people I love the most, like, you know, right. who, whatever it, it, you know, it was just more family time, which wasn't a bad thing with us, got right. us closer. So, yeah. And I saw you, where did you uh, end up going for your vacay? I didn't. So we just went to Mallorca. So now okay. we're officially German, you know, now, once you have that Mallorca vacation, that Mallorca <laughs> vacation, like now you're officially German. So uh, it's where, you know, all the Germans go on holiday and, but I, whenever people talk about it, they always like stay at an all-inclusive resort and always this. And I knew nothing about the geography of this place. And we, we stayed in a nice town because Ellie's, she's like, Hey, we we're going to go to every single place on this Island. You know? So I'm like, ah, perfect. That's how we do it. Whenever we go on vacation, we're never staying at a hotel and a pool. It's like, we're staying in the middle of a city or middle of the place we're going. And then we're checking out the whole place. And, uh, the geography of this place. I didn't realize there were so many mountains. I didn't realize it was such a road biking destination. And then the beaches were incredible. So it, what an incredible place. It looked like it. It really did. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was a special place. And I, and I fought Ellie. I'm like, man, we're, we're moving soon. Like, do we really need to do this? And she's like, I need this. I need this. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're the boss. And we went and I was like, that was, and it, it was fantastic. So it was, it was great. The girls looked like they had a hoot. Oh yeah, they love it. That's very cool. Um, so yeah, you answered a few of my questions already there. And then, you know, backtrack a little bit. You, you you're you're an American from Idaho. From you, Ketchum, Idaho. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah Idaho. Idaho. Yeah. 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 And uh, right, so, sorry, go ahead. Oh, so I was gonna say, so crazy. So, so how I ended up there. So when we saw each other in Saint, so you want a whole kind of how pro career went or from like how I ended up in Germany or. Well, well at first I just, you, you started in Colorado college, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you go yeah. from there and then you go to the coast and yeah. uh, very typical as far as an undrafted guy from college, you got to kind of bust your way through. Yeah. And uh, where did you go in the coast? So it was a, just my whole hockey career is a, I mean, you know, swimming upstream a little bit and not in the fact that like, just I'm from Idaho. So, you know, I'm, I'm telling the story of like, when I was growing up, I was like freshman year, you know, there's only, this was before the steelheads were even a team. So there was no even high school hockey in Boise, Idaho, the biggest city in Idaho. There was only a team in Idaho falls, salmon, Idaho and sun Valley. And these are, when I say teams, I mean, like whoever comes out for the team makes the team and that's it. <laughs> and you either have like a decent age group or you have a horrible age group. Right. And we happen to have a pretty good age group where the guys that were a couple years older than me, all were pretty decent players, you know, and, really? and we only had 15 guys on a team, but they all were hockey nuts. Um, they were also, I played up me and this kid, Joey sides, who actually had a little stint St. John's too. We played up with this age group with the 84s an 83 age group and we would go and Joey sides dad was a complete hockey nut and he was going to make it happen. He coached the team. We would have to drive to Seattle. We'd have to drive to Burnaby. We'd have to drive to Surrey and we would go play these tournaments no and kind of, and, and we would do okay. We get shit kicked sometimes too, because our goalie was, you know, we were in the typical throw the kid that can't skate in the net when we should have put the best player, the best skater in the yeah. net. But we, we put the kid that couldn't <laughs> skate in the net. And then our age group was pretty good. So we would go up and we'd go to Burnaby Winter Club and we'd go up and play the Northwest All-Stars, you know, or right. Snow King in Seattle. And we'd have to drive 12 hours to go play any no sort shit. of games whatsoever. 
So anyway, I'm sending like schools, uh, D3 schools, like, you know, my dad's like, just, you know, send these schools, uh, you know, a letter or something, tell them you're a hockey player. So I'd send like, you know, swing over what I was, you know, the best school I could possibly, I was like Middlebury and Bowdoin, <laughs> you know, these like New England schools right. and I'd send them these letters. Wouldn't get a letter back, obviously. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like I went to a, uh, I went to a national festival, like one of those USA hockey national festivals. Right. And um, all of a sudden, like on the radar of a AAA team, I, you know, I get home from this festival and obviously on the answering machines of your parents' house, you know, you get a call. Yeah. Hey, this is this is Dwight Mullins from Dallas Stars, made the AAA. Uh, we'd like to invite you to a tryout. I'm like, holy shit! I'm like, Dad, can I go to this tryout? So he's <laughs> like, Oh yeah. So I went to this tryout. Ended up all of a sudden, I go play AAA hockey for the first thing, and within three months, I like signed a USHL tender and I committed to Colorado College. So this is all like my junior year. So it happened just like snap of the finger of like wow. going outside of Idaho because there had never, you know. And I, the first person from Idaho to ever go play college hockey, to ever go play pro hockey, it just, it wasn't, there was nothing there, but, but it was a hockey town. So to me, I always was on a thing that you could get better playing against anybody or, you know, and let's see if you can make everyone else better too, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, you know, it was crazy how it just took off. And then I went to Colorado college. Um, and then, yeah, I, um, ended up being, you know, first, I really wanted to play in Boise and be the first kid from Idaho to play in Boise coast. So right. I ended up going to Vegas, like after my year, but I was like, please don't retain me because if I'm going to go play, I'm going to go play in Boise. So end up going to Boise, you know, having, we went to the, we lost in the Kelly cup final that year, had oh, wow. a good, you know, yeah, had a good, uh, year. Um, and then kind of from there, it was just. I had no thoughts of like, I was going to play hockey until I wasn't getting paid anymore. You know, right. it was like one of those things like, it was like, I didn't care what level I was at. I didn't care what this, I was just, I was going to play until I was going to play until I wasn't getting better. That was basically where, right. you know, where I, where my thought process was. And, you know, like I said, I didn't have an, my biggest regret is I didn't have an agent this whole time. And really? so I'm just relying on the coaches. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest regret in pro hockey is that I didn't have an agent the whole time I was in North America. So I was just like relying on, uh, the word of like, to see if like a, you know, GM or somebody would call our coach. And then the coaches would always be like, Oh, I've got a guy, I've got a defenseman. I got this. And, you know, when we were in Boise, the play was like, you know, people would call our coach and then whoever was coming to play us, he'd be like, Oh, I heard they have a pretty good defenseman you know you should take him right. you know so like so we were always playing like you know coast teams that all of a sudden like oh, all of a sudden their best player is gone but he was going to our affiliate or something you know so it's like very <laughs> you know the inner workings of like yeah. coast and you know being you know trying to develop your guys but trying to win at the same time so yeah and just kind of grinding with it got a phone call like my toledo coach got a phone call and was like hey would this guy like to go uh on a PTO, um, or just to try out in St. John's. So I brought one suitcase. I dropped all my stuff off in Toledo and then, uh, and then was like, Hey, I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. You know, I'm just going up to this camp. And then, you know, it was <laughs> funniest thing was, is I get up there and Coxie obviously is an unbelievable guy and, you know, big punk rock music guy too. And yeah. I get up there and I had, and I had number 32 in the, as my nameplate. Right. I'm like, Holy shit these guys actually want me to be here. This guy gave me my number, you know, I'm like, and, and, uh, 
<laughs> and I'm like, man, that gave me like a lot of confidence, like in right. camp and everything, you know? And I'm like, babe, like, I'm like telling my wife, I just had a, you know, I have a one-year-old just had him. I'm like, man, I think they, it wasn't just maybe like a child. Like maybe they think, cause it, like my number's in the stall. And, uh, she's like, wow, wow. So <laughs> I have a pretty good trade him. I'm feeling pretty good, yeah. you know, just whatever doing the thing. And all of a sudden training camp's about to be over. And Coxie comes up to me. He's like, Hey, uh, I got good news and bad news. And I was like, all right, what's the bad news? And he's like, bad news is you're going to have to stick with 32. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm going to have to stick with 32. Like, that's my number. He's like, that's your number. (laughs) I said, yeah, that's my number. He's like, holy shit. Like I just, that was a random number we put in there. I didn't know that was your number. I'm like, so what's the, what's the good news? He's like, good news is I just ordered you a pair of skates. And (laughs) It was such a fucking coincidence and this, but the little things that give you confidence, you know, that, that, like, that was a huge, huge thing to me, you know, and, and Coxie like blew his mind. I'm like, holy shit. I thought you just like, you know, maybe looked at like a previous couple rosters and saw that I wore this number. It's a pretty random number. And he's like, I, he's like, literally, I had no idea. He's like, I'm pretty happy though, that that's what it was. And it was, that's, you know, so that's where we were. Yeah, right. That little accident kind of changed, accident. probably it, changed that, your whole trajectory, you know? Big time, big time. So, so then, but, but then it was a tough season, you know, because it was like I, I started out playing pretty well, doing yep. this in the lineup. And then, and then around Christmas, like I start, I, I honestly, I think I have like a blood clot in my calf and we couldn't figure out like what was going on. I was still battling through this, like this whole thing. Right. And, and then, and then as the season went on, we'd get Winnipeg, I think was like knocked out of the playoffs. So we get more and more players sent down to us. So I was kind of like the odd man out taking warmups every night, you know, yeah. and, and that didn't affect me because if you're playing well or you're not playing or you're doing anything, like nothing changes, it should, nothing should change, you know, cause you start right. to be working as hard as you could. And obviously like right. when you start bearing down and thinking about more then your confidence goes and then you just deeper and deeper. So 100%. that's always for me being a pro is that you're going to be, you're going to be playing, mm-hmm. you know, or you're, you're going to be a good teammate, you know, and all that stuff. And um, so I'm like grinding through this year and thinking that like, I'm trying to like roll out my calf, get to the rink like a half hour before everybody's there. And I like try to roll out my calf for practice every day and uh, thinking I have like something wrong with there. I get like, and all of a sudden, uh, right in the middle of playoffs or right, like right before the end of playoffs, I have an MRI on my back and my disc is in pieces, no. you know? So, so right when the season was over, had to get back surgery, remove the disc from my back. And this is, I'm 26 at the time, about to be 27. And, uh, so I get the disc removed from my back. I don't get home from St. John's until July 10th. So like, that season and I didn't know that and yeah so I stayed around stayed with the boys um stayed with uh one of my good friends from there Damien and stayed with the boys from Fogtown there at the okay. barbershop and yeah. they were awesome like stay with them they kind of nursed me back to health and had to take a flight from uh had to take a flight from uh St. John's to Newark and then Newark to San Francisco and I had to stand the entire way couldn't I just had back surgery so like I could not sit down and it was uh it was wild so wow yeah it was uh and know. then you you went back to toledo after that so then i went so then yep so then i went back to toledo and and so <laughs> the other thing that's crazy too is that like 
you know, I never played in the NHL, grinding it out, whatever. And when I was in St. John's, like I had a pretty good rapport with Toledo and the fan base and all this. Right. And ended up actually had a bobblehead uh, night scheduled and I actually missed my own bobblehead night because I was in St. John's that year. So, <laughs> so like they went, they went on with the bobblehead night, like all that stuff. And, you know, everyone's like, but you're the like bobblehead. I'm like, yeah, just like, you know, but you know, minor league all-star here, you know, like, just like, <laughs> it was great. It's always things like, just like, it's this my life, you know, it's just bizarre, right? Bizarro <laughs> world. So anyway, so I go back to Toledo and actually my back was great after that. I started playing like November 1st, you know, that's basically when I got back to health okay. and I honestly thought my career was done. I, I was starting that at the time it was Lample Hockey Garage. Yeah. And I remember that. Yeah. My, right. And my business partner, this guy, Matt Zaba, a goaltender, great goalie. He, he just got finished in Europe and he was playing, I think he finished in Bolzano and uh, he goes, Lamps, like I'm coming back. I see that you do this. We are college teammates. And he right. goes, could you, could I be a partner with you? And I'll do the goalie side, do the player side. I'm like, you know what? This would be great. So we partner up. And then right when I'm packing up all my stuff for Toledo, thinking like, all right, maybe this is going to be it. Um, you know, cause my wife is now pregnant with her second kid. I'm like, I think this could be it. I'm 27 at the time. Right. Uh, or no, maybe I'm 29. No, sorry. I'm 29 at the time now. And, uh, she goes, um, I get a phone call from an agent all of a sudden out of the blue. And mm -hmm. he goes, Hey, do you, are you, do you have any representation? I'm like, no, I have no representation. So like, you don't have an agent. I'm like, no, I haven't had an agent this whole time. He's like, what? <laughs> He's like, well, okay. So how would you like to go to Germany? And I'm like, well, I don't, you know, I, you know, that thanks, but I think I'm done and whatever. And so he's like, okay, okay. Calls me up a week later. He goes, how would you like to go to Germany with a German passport? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, Lample, it's German. I did the research. I know, get your passport. And my wife is like, you're going, we're going, we're going to live in Europe. Let's go. And then now, and seven years later, you know, it's, I feel like, you know, I feel like my career has just started again, you know? That's insane, man. That's yeah. aw It's awesome though. It really is. Bef yeah. Now, we were, we bounced to Germany, but I want to go back to St. John's because I do have a couple things. Yeah. Uh, first thing, uh, the city, city's the bomb. I loved it there. Uh, loved it. Great people probably the worst place to have a hockey team uh, as geographically, as far as a, yeah, yeah. a league is concerned. But having said that, great people, great place, uh, loved it there, loved all the people. And w w that year we go on uh, the Calder Cup run. We go right to the final. And uh, during, I forget what round we're in. I think it was but, the second round. Was it second round? Second you, round. So I think know it was the second round. Yeah, you know Norfolk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. So, yeah. okay. The people I've never told this story uh, in yeah. on the podcast. Anyways, I've obviously told it to to friends and family, but never told it publicly uh, because I was always kind of scared, you know. But now, uh, in my career, like I, I'm not ashamed of anything I did or what. It, it wasn't bad. I didn't think. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah here's here's the story we're in norfolk maybe the second round and uh there's a walk to the rink and uh you take this one road 
And on the way there, I kept passing this uh, theater, uh, concert theater thing. I think it was called the Nor- Nor- Norvo or something like that. I have and, no I, no clue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it said, uh, whatever night, Friday night, uh, Black Label Society in concert. And, and for those of you that don't know, that's Zach Wilde's band. And for those of you who don't know, he's one of the best guitarists ever. And he used to be with Ozzy and whatever. Anyways, I love this guy. And I kept passing it on the way to the rink. And I'm like, uh, concert, uh, we have a game that night. And uh, but game's at seven. And so we, w- we win the game. And if my memory serves me correctly, we win the game. I go down and uh, I do my talk to Hutch and uh, we have the talk and my work's done. Right. And I look at my watch and I'm like, I think I can make it. I I think I can make it. Now, this is the part I don't remember. I don't remember. Did I, where did we see, how did. So I don't know. I don't know where we saw each other, but I think, but like, I think we just kind of caught up and and I think we had kind of mentioned like, Hey, did you see that? Did you see that? Like, you know, uh, I guess what would it be called a palladium? Like what is like the, you're right. Like, did you see, did you see like the band, you know, like the sign, the thing for this, seeing this and, and we had an off day the next day, you know, like we had a, we had an, like we were off the next day. Yeah. The show, I think the show was at like the opening band went on at nine. So like they were going on at like 10 or 10 30. Wasn't like, wasn't like the show was at one, we were going to Woodstock and then going to drop acid at like, you know, before right. the dead were playing or anything, you know, it was like on the walk home, everybody was going to go have beers at dinner anyway, you know, right. and go do this. But I think, but I think we just like had kind of mentioned it maybe like a day or two prior because we were there, you know, I think we we're there for, I think since we had home ice, we were going to be there for a three game series. Right. So it was one of those things where it wasn't like we were just in town and then we were playing or like, I think we played, we played one night. I think we had like an off night and then, or maybe like two off days. Cause we had just played back to back or something like that. And then we had like an off day or two off days. And then we would play like a game five if necessary. Right. But I think we ended up sweeping anyway, the thing. Right. So, but we just kind of thing. We're like looking at our watch and I think one of whatever's like, Hey, like, let's go check out this let's, show. If we let's get do a ticket. this. Let's do this. Okay. You know, so, and it was so harmless. Yeah. So, so we, we haul ass back to the hotel, get changed. And we start running back from the hotel, jogging down the road back towards the palladium. And uh, as we're running, I, uh, we see jet staff. I mean, <laughs> back towards us. And I'm not going to name names, but uh, it didn't look great. I I will say, like, if looking back, that uh, coach and a player are are jogging back and uh, kind of waved and and that was that. But here's the thing. We literally, we go in, we both love music, we both love rocking, and we get in there watch the show fuck off and go back oh and i got a shirt <laughs> and yeah right yeah we had a great time i had, I, I remember i had one beer at the show right one yeah. bottle of beer at the show and uh yeah and that's and that's what it was and it's so funny like you know i don't know like as a coaching staff or whatever like if 
if if automatically they assume like you can't be with a player, but to me, I I don't look like I don't know. It's not that I don't look at like uh, staff as different, but I, I think there's levels of staffs, and yeah, I think yeah. if you're a development coach or you're a goalie coach or you're like you're to me at least the coaches are such hardos in the mo for the for the most part right? <laughs> right it's like it's you need to have some sort of and sometimes that's with an assistant you know at least in the coast like yeah, yeah. your coach was a little bit harder and your assistant was like kind of one of the boys because you needed that like you balance. know kind of halfway balance you know yeah but anyway like i don't know we, we were such good soldiers in my opinion like I was a team first guy. Oh, I was sure. taking warm ups every day and then getting the nod that I wasn't going. But like, I'm making sure that like in two touch, I'm dialed in, you know, keeping it loose. Yeah. And you're taking warm ups. You're not bitching. And it was like, we just won a game. We had a chance to squeeze in a show that just happened to be there. And instead of going to the Bugatti nightclub or whatever down the street, <laughs> but like, but not leaving the hotel until the coaches like were in the rooms. You know what I mean? It was like, we just like happened to be on the street. Yeah. And I remember you being like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, that's not good. That's not good. Oh, fuck. Like, that's not. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself like, yeah, this guy's probably going to be pissed, but I don't know why he would or right. like why he would try and change like the dynamic that we have going on right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because like everything was, was clicking. Working. Yeah. The team was dialed in together, you know, and everything like that was, you know, at the time we had a pretty like a lot younger of a team. And I think Jaff and I like were the only ones with kids, you know, mm -hmm. at the time. And, you know, I don't know, whatever. It was so harmless. And yeah. I get, you know, and we put in the work, but I just remember it was so funny because at the time, like, you're like, ah, oh, shit, like, I'm going to get fucking yelled at, you know, like type of thing. And I'm like, well, should we not go? And then you're like, well, we're just going to see the show. Like, I don't know what, you know, like, ah, fuck it. And, and that might've been like a turning point. I don't know, maybe for you to be like, well Man, sure. I'm just going to, like, I got to be myself a little bit. Yeah. And like, if I can't be myself, like where I don't feel like I'm doing something inappropriate, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? In terms of that thing, then like, then if this is how I kind of got to live, you know, then yeah. whatever. But it was just so funny because at the time, and I felt bad because I didn't get any heat at all. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, yeah. oh, cool. You saw the show, you know? <laughs> and it was kind of like, you know what I mean? It was like. Oh, you went and saw the show. Like, how was it? You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah it was yeah. fucking great. Like Zach Wilde was shredding up there. And it was like <laughs> perfect timing. Like we showed up right as like the opening band. I don't even remember who was opening. And then yeah. it was like, all of a sudden Zach Wilde gets on, starts fucking ripping these riffs. Like, yeah. you know, and it I'm like, dude, awesome. he looks, he looks even bigger in person, dude. you know? And it was like, it was awesome. You know, and it, it was, was like a so small cool. little dingy club and it was right on the way to the thing. And then, you know, we were home we were home before midnight or whatever, you know, like well, on I off guarantee day or something you, we like were that, home you know? before most of the guys, right. Home before most of the guys, but I just felt <laughs> yeah. bad because I remember like checking in a couple of days there. I'm like, man, it's like everything. All right. Like, I'm like, yeah. cause, I'm like, cause I'm like waiting to see if they'd come up and be like, Hey lamps, like, what are you doing type of thing? But they were like, it never happened. And yeah. then you're like, fuck, like I got like kind of yeah. received <laughs> and this and all this. And I'm like, man, I just felt bad about it. But it was uh, like, like to me, 
I think about all my things. I'm like, man, like what a great experience. Like we just beat Norfolk in Norfolk, Yeah. you know, all of a sudden black labels playing, yeah. have someone to go to the show with, you know, remember the whole thing. Cause we had one beer there, yeah. you know, and then woke up, you know, way less hung over than everyone else for sure. And, uh, and it ended up being a big deal. And, and, but I, but I also think like, that's where, uh, you know, there's, you know, I guess there's some, like I said, there's some staffs and some coaches yeah. that are completely one way, one way, one way. And then there's, um, others, you know, and I've been the last couple of years, like I said, I've, I've been very fortunate, I guess, because I've kind of found a middle ground with these coaches who are very much control freaks and a thing, but outside of the rink, mm -hmm. I have, I've had full blown, like, creativity with what I do and like marketing team and just kind of be myself. But, but I also think they know that like, I'm a family guy. I'm not out chasing tail, right, you yeah. know, and, and trying to get as fucked up as possible. Yeah. Like when we have like a cabina fest and everything like, yeah, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get pretty tuned up with the guys like in the thing, but like I can be out and not have it like you know maybe i couldn't have done that when i was 22 23 24 right. like go out without getting fucked up but now it's like you know i would hope that the guys like at least know you as a person or this and knowing yeah. that like you going out and doing something has nothing to do with booze or getting fucking wasted all the time you know mm -hmm. it's like just life experience of like going and enjoying yourself in a constructive way hundred percent totally totally true and you know what the funny thing is that i love i love this that's this whole story uh about you and i going to the show and i was really wanting to tell it because one i think it's hilarious <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it's, it's such a great memory and if, if kind of the whole emotion of it all was pretty big for me at the time but it really was a pivotal point for me too that i i one of the moments I I stood my ground uh, in who I was, and I took the blow. <laughs> I took the blows for it, but I stood there and I I kept going right. And then the next year, I got more confident in who I and how I was and who I was, and it just kept on rolling. And by the time I got to LA, uh, I didn't not in a disrespectful way, but I didn't care anymore. And I believed enough that I could be exactly who I wanted to be as a coach, as a person and not sacrifice and kiss ass or do things the certain way that everybody kind of builds their careers. I just did it my way. Yeah. And, but that was a pivotal point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when I think, when I think when people say like, you're like, man, I stopped caring. It's like, you don't stop caring about what you're doing. You're you stop caring about what you think is going to make people's judgment differently. Right. Yeah, and yeah. you started caring more about what like is true to you. Yeah. You know, and then in turn, if, if they hire you or if they, if you're on that, then you believe that they want you not, yeah, yeah. you know, what you, what they basically want something that they can fucking, you know what I mean? Like if you're being hired oh. somewhere. You have to think that, okay, 
the best businesses are ones that they hire somebody because they know they're going to do the best job and they're getting you as a package, not just, you know, a robot in this is what I, you know, so I think Mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing is like when you stop caring about what people, what you think they want and what is, and then just start doing what's natural to you. Like that's Mm -hmm. good enough. You know, like that's, that's good enough. And a lot of times far better than anything else. I agree. I totally agree. You know, it's a, it's a tough thing to do though, because, uh, everybody's trying to get their foot in the door. Everybody's trying to get well, that's the thing. Sometimes you only have one chance, you know, yeah, and if you, if you think you have one chance and you do not trust me, like, you know, I've, I've been, you know, I, I've, I've not always been my, you know, when you first get the team, sometimes like you're a little bit of a bootlicker and, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. and not, and not, you know, and not just like, you know, doing anything like, you know, you would never do anything that would come, but, a lot of times, like you want to say something or you want to just, you know, whatever, and you just don't, you know, and you just, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Um, but I think, you know, now it's nice because immediately when I go to a team, you know, I just, if I have a joke to make, I'm going to make the joke, like in front of anybody, doesn't matter if it's right. GM, this. And if I feel like if I do that from the very beginning and I'm myself from the very beginning, well, then all of a sudden I've already established who I am, yeah. you know, and it's not like they expect something different, you know? And to me, any team now that, like I said, I've played long enough, you do your homework. And if you're going to bring, you know, somebody in, you know, then they know what they're getting, you know? So why should you have to change totally. in what you are to someone else? So I mean, I think also too, like it gets easier when you're older because you get more respect and the fact that you've been around and you do it. But um, I think that's the most freedom that I have right now is that, you know what, like I get to be myself and if I can't be myself, I'm in the wrong place, you know, and that's yeah. just, that's just great, it. Great message actually for, uh, for both our, our, um, our jobs and our positions, not just as a player and not just as a coach. I think it's, a good way to live your life too. Uh, it's tough though. It, it really yeah, is. Yeah. It's a tough yeah. thing to do. And I, I try to encourage it. Uh, and it's, it's not a, a fuck you type of uh, arrogance. Like I'm going to be me that in that way. It's just, I think if you live, you live your life constantly worried about um, what other people think of you, and and how it'll affect your uh, your uh, upward rise or whatever. It's the wrong way to go about things. I think. I think if you if you focus in on your on just uh, yourself and being happy with yourself and being true to yourself, I think the all the results in that maybe will follow. But uh, it is a tough thing, and I remember that story very vividly, and I'm glad I was able to tell it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. one last uh, St. John's thing. Um, it was funny. The other day, we were in the garage and clean, cleaning the garage, and I'm looking at all – got a, we got all these sticks in the garage, and I'm like, holy shit, I got Cody's stick. <laughs> yeah. I had one of your twigs for – because uh, – uh, for for warming up the goalies for shots because your your stick wasn't a dangle twig yeah it was straight it's pretty straight and like uh you know and like a little heel curve you know yeah and uh but uh for shooting it was sick so yeah uh, but i looked i still have the thing yeah nice and and it said and it said it said lample on it or it said because 
the thing, what, what is the name that set up? Because that was another thing that was great about St. John's was that I was a, you know, I, every other player that was a rookie that year, because I was essentially like a rookie in yeah, St. Yeah, John's because sure. I had played in the coast, but it was my first full year in the American league. And everyone else was 20 years old out of junior. And yeah. I had played pro already like three years or something like that. And also played college. So I was older and right. we had Adam Lowry, JC LaPon, uh, yeah. you know, like Austin Broussard and Kitch, you know, as like rookies, other rookies. And I remember when they're like, oh, rookie party, like we need a theme. And everyone's like, oh, we're going to dress up like as chicks. And I'm like, fuck, no, we're not dressing up as chicks. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> but like, that's not what we're doing. Like, they're like, all right, well, Lamps, like, we'll let you pick like what you guys dress up as, you know, like since you're a fucking old rookie, you have a kid and shit and you're like, rookie, you know, whatever. I'm like, all right. So like, I'm trying to explain to guys, guys like, well, what are we going to be? What are we going to be? Uh, you know, like, let's just go as this. I'm like, guys, I'm like, I like toss them a couple DVDs and I'm like, fucking study up, you know, pick your favorite wrestler. Cause we're going as wrestlers, you know? <laughs> and oh my God. So, so then like I dress up, I actually find a fucking macho man impersonator in St. John's through Coxie and Shaq actually, which Shaq terrible news by yeah, the way yeah and so I find um a fucking macho man impersonator on the rock and borrow his costume and go full-blown Randy Savage and the boys just like went nuts and love this and we dressed up in Providence like when we did this we actually took the bus to Boston and so then my next sticks came in and they said fucking macho 32 on them you know so it was just a funny thing so I'm pretty sure it says Lample. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure this stick says yeah. Lample. But wasn't it you who got uh, the whole whole team into the yeah Sox game in the, the Red Sox, Sox game. game? Yeah, yeah. That so, was that was such a great memory, man. Yeah, and we were up top on that thing with the yeah, food. we yeah we were in the Green Monster that we got to go up top, and then and then, and then you then got we, and then we went in the box. Yeah. yeah, and then we got to go on the field for batting practice. That was it was a, it was it was cool that. Uh, that we got to do as a team because you know you're playing with such it's so nice to see and this is how hum like this is how um you know i think just hockey players in general and i think just like good athletes in general like these people are such good athletes that you're playing with but all of a sudden you walk onto a baseball diamond and you see like you hear the snap of the glove and mm -hmm. you see these guys hitting balls you know 100 mile balls and then you know 85 mile an hour breaking balls and every single guy is just like in awe, you know, when you're that close and you're seeing what they do. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was special. And to see, especially like be with guys that have had good careers and are going on to have good careers to see them kind of like, you know, fanboy over other athletes. Like that was a, that was cool. Yeah. I, that was a, such a, a sick thing to, to, to hook up. And, and was it, how did you get that? How did, so the former, uh, I was lucky the former, um, president and CEO of the Red Sox, like actually had some ties with my dad back in his, my dad's best buddy and him went to, uh, high school in, in Pittsburgh together. So oh. he used to be, he used to be in San Diego. So we always kind of go vacation down there. Um, and then all of a sudden he moved to Boston, moved, was president in Boston and, um, and uh yeah i called i said hey like we have a team coming like any way to do anything at all and uh 
And then um, it was that got me out of some rookie duties for a little bit, you know. Oh, you, you yeah. bet. For sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. You, yeah. You were the god there after yeah. that that you hooked yeah. Adam. It was good. Was, it was nice. That was a that was unbelievable, especially behind the plate there within that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, right. Exactly. What, what yeah. was that room? Yeah, that was the, cool. It was, yeah, I guess it was like the yeah. The wives were know, there. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. It, it was like a VIP room or whatever they call yeah. it. And it was the whole thing was it was totally cool. Um, yeah. So lastly here, so we go over to, to Germany and uh, and you're now you've moved over to this place. Are, I wanted to ask, I, there's there's not a lot on your, your social media as far as um, your tats. Yeah. And, like obviously you're yeah. tattied up, but yeah. people don't know, but you have a huge love for tattoos yeah and so as do i but what i didn't know i are you tattooing as well so i'm <laughs> i am it's funny like i i just think of uh i just think of like what is that talladega nights when he's like you know i'm a volunteer firefighter and an amateur tattooer you know and uh and um no so the wildest part is that before I came over here, I gave one tattoo and it was a pretty shitty tattoo. looks pretty punk rock. Like it's cool. But Woody, who was my tattooer in Toledo, unbelievable, just legend. Uh, and before I left Toledo, he did my back piece. He did everything else. And before I, I left, he, he like my family, he's like, Hey, I want you to come in with your family. I'm like, all right. Cause he was going to give me one last little jammer, like a little Toledo tattoo before I left. Yeah. And he's like, I, I want you to tattoo me. And I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like, no way I can't. And, and I was like, so honored, you know, cause I'm like, how many people, how many non-tattooers have tattooed you? And he's like, just my wife. And I was like, so honored. And my, at the time, like Harbor was there. Yeah. Um, she was like two and my wife, like we're in the studio and it was like the most surreal, cool experience. And obviously at that point, I already probably been tattooed like you know, 150, 170 hours. So like, you know, I'm a poet, you know, no, no exactly what's going on, you know, gloves on sanitize, you know, skin yeah, stretch, yeah. whatever. And, and <laughs> I end up doing like two hockey sticks cross with a 32, you know, in this little, in this little space, cause you barely had any space left. So anyway, so fast forward to Germany. Yeah. I go over there and all of a sudden, like, you know how, I don't know in, in, in China, like, do they have like individual, like, jersey spawn you know where they can like fit like so each guy kind of if if a big company like wanted to come and do like an individual like jersey sponsor player sponsorship basically you would have like a little logo on like one of above your number on one of your sleeves okay yeah on, at least in Mannheim, like that's how they did it so you have some guys of like you know company here coming here and basically like these these big companies come in they're like i want to be a player sponsor on this guy's jersey so anyways this tattoo shop comes in and they're like, hey, uh, apparently they like talked to to the team and was like, hey, we want to be a sponsorship like of Lample Sing. And the the team, and I was like, wait, how would a tattoo shop like afford to be a sponsorship of this? And so anyway, I I get we're like at a team event, and obviously, like there's a couple like tattoo artists that are there. I go up, start talking to them. Right. And they're like, oh, by the way, like we want to do a sponsorship to you. And I'm like playing kind of, I'm like, Oh, 
and like and we like met started talking hitting it off yeah. you know and like obviously like they stuck out like fucking sore thumb you know like at this corporate <laughs> event you know like yeah. i knew they were with the shop but you know like and then the team's like man like like you met them already you kill like they want to do a big sponsorship I'm like okay so they're called trust and i like ask him like hey once i talk from next i'm like can i ask you like is this going to make sense for you guys like how much business would I have to bring you guys for you to be able to pay for this thing? And they're like, Oh, we have the oldest shop here in Mannheim. But what we make online is that we do wholesale body modification jewelry and we sell it to every shop that every piercing studio, every, this, we have over, you know, 50,000 pieces of jewelry for body mod. So I was like, okay, so that's how they make their money in the wholesale business of like body modification jewelry. So anyway, so the partnership has worked out like unbelievable and all my like events that I have to do, like at tattoo shops and conventions. And it's just like my two merging and especially like in a place like Mannheim, that's so kind of buttoned up and corporate, like it was unbelievable. Like it, they just, the sponsorship, it was just my two loves like kind of coming together. And I got to do like way more cool. Everyone's like, wait, what do you get to do? Like, what's this? It's like, and the team promotes all this shit, you know? And, <laughs> and it was just cool. Like got to have my fucking, they came out with a beer, like had my face on a beer, which once you had your face <laughs> on a beer in Germany, I think you can retire after that, you know, like just all sorts of cool shit. So anyway, last year, right before the lockdown, they're like, Hey, we have this crazy idea. The artists are behind this. And we want, and the fans have requested this, they want Cody Lample tattoo graphs. And I'm like, wait, what they, why would they want my autograph on them? You know, whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Like it's kind of slap in the face to like tattooers, like tattooing is not a joke. It's this, you know? Right. And then they're like, they're like, no, all the artists are like, no, you don't understand. Like this is their life. Like they would be through. And then I'm thinking to myself, like, man, if, if like Bruce Dickinson or Mike Ness or like just somebody that I was really into a Dean tattoo was like, Hey, I'll give you a tattoo. Obviously I would take, you know, I'd be like, yes, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care what it looks like, but I'm also covered and it wouldn't stick out. Right. So anyway, I'm like, okay, okay. You know, I'll do a couple. Well, how many could this be? So the waiting list for this, I show up at like four o'clock, the team cameras are there, like the yeah. news is there. And I'm like getting a little nervous. I'm like, holy shit, you know, like I got to pull this. I got to pull a fucking straight line here. But like, luckily it's my autograph. So it's not like straight line, whatever. But I'm like, you know, I don't want to butcher these yeah, things. Yeah. And I ended up tattooing 32 people there that night. We had what? to turn away. We had to turn away like another 40 people because I had a game the next day, like a big game the next day. I'm there from like four o'clock in the afternoon until like 11 o'clock at the shop. I'm tattooing like every single body part you could imagine. Like I'm tattooing wrists, ankles, thighs, back of the calf, uh, like chest, inside of the arms, every single body part you could imagine. I'm tattooing and tattooers are like, you know how long it took, took before like I tattooed like this body part or this body part or this body part you just did that in a night and it was the most wild and and there's people that still no tattoos and a signature on their forearm you know what i mean it's like it is <laughs> so let me tell you about the fans in Mannheim. like it is bananas and it was it, it ended up being like something that i was like i don't know i don't really want to you know like 
I don't know, like kind of, you know, like I'm a tattoo purist and stuff and think like, right, right. yes, I'm a very friendly person, but I also think shops should be like a little bit intimidating. So you have to like have the courage to go outside of your comfort zone a little bit. You know, if it's something that's going to be on your body, you know, forever, like it should be a little bit like, it shouldn't be like you're walking into the Apple store a little bit or like an art studio. It should be like, you're walking into like, you know, a shop where you're a little bit intimidated. And as soon as you talk to somebody, you know, they're like, then everything's like comfortable. You know what I mean? But like, you yeah. still should have that little bit of angst, like walking into a new shop and it's not like Candyland. you know what I mean? Where they're kind of like, or, or like you have to like walk <laughs> in with a friend and then you're like, Hey, my friend like wants to get tattooed and then, you know, it's like, well, okay, speak up, you know? Like, and then everything's like super comfortable. So, but it just ended up being, it was like an absolute unbelievable experience. I still see people all the time that just like hold out their, you know, and it was just, uh, it was incredible. And it, and that's what I'm going to miss so much about here is that I had this shop that was just, you know, it was unreal. That is so sick. And you yeah. know, it's funny, you, the way you bring up shops, it brought back tons of memories because just like our game has changed, tattooing, and the world of tattoos uh, has way changed. And like, I, I remember when I got first got tattoos and I'm back from the, the eight, the stupid eighties of uh, hockey players. Uh, uh, hey, what do you want to get? Uh, let's get a cartoon character with a hockey stick. That was the thing. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but it was balls. It was ballsy because nobody yeah, right. did it. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. I remember my first, uh, one i was in with team canada we played the u.s uh that would have been 87 or 86 somewhere around there and uh we played them in colorado springs and we stayed at the uh olympic place or whatever yeah the USOC played, there yeah yeah we played the game in uh army uh yeah air force Air Force, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, we stayed there, and one day, myself, Trevor Linden, uh, Glenn Goodall, and Stu Barnes, the four of us walked around this the town wherever we were. I don't even remember, but I do remember walking by this tattoo shop, and uh, it, we go in, and we're like, "Yeah, we'll get a fucking tattoo." None of us had tattoos, and uh, the the guys did exactly that; wouldn't talk to us. And it was just old place. And the guy's name was Snake. And uh, it wasn't until we had the balls to talk to him. Yeah, right, right. And then he didn't offer us up anything. He was like, so what do you want to get? He's just stayed silent. And I'm like, uh, do we pick? Uh, yeah. He's like, pictures are there. Myself, uh, Glenn Goodall went first, got a Tasmanian devil on his thigh with a hockey stick and I got a stupid little Woodstock on my calf and the other two saw how much pain we were in and, and chickened out. But, but I remember that whole time that it was uh, that scared feeling of going into these places. And that's where I, I got some of my work done here in Vancouver with a guy here really quite famous. He got all, he learned over in Japan. Yeah. Uh, the. Yeah. The, yeah. Mo, yeah. That's yeah the, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I went in to see him and uh, he, he said, uh, yeah, I'll tattoo you. He's uh, I do Japanese shit. He goes, but if I'm going to do it, you got to go buy me a six pack of coolers. 
<laughs> so yeah, you're, like per- to, you're like perfect you know and to go buy him a six pack and then then he would tattoo me <laughs> well it's funny it's funny just one last story is like we so we're in we're in new zealand in uh mm-hmm. doing a usa versus canada thing and and this was 2000 this was 2010 or 2011 2010 2011 and i'm 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 like already you know i already have sleeves my chest my back like all this stuff you know whatever and so I'm pretty tattooed and I go on the radio and we're like promoting the game. And these, these, these New Zealanders are like, Hey, I see you have a lot of tattoos, all this. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, put out a thing on the radio. Like, hey, and if, uh, you know, I'd really like to get a Moco style tattoo, like if any, or, you know, a Maori style tattoo. And I was like, if any tattooers, like great shops, like call in and I'll fucking be there, you know? And, and Mark Hardigan, who I like looked up to, you know, like he was a college guy, just won like mm-hmm. a Stanley cup with Detroit. And he's like, fuck, like, I really want a tattoo too. But like, man, like I'm kind of like a preppy guy, like walking into those shops are like intimidating, you know? And I'm like, yeah. fuck, I'm like, Mark, like, come on, like, let's go. Like, I'm going to bring you in there. Like, we're going to go get tattooed. You know, like if you really want the tattoo, like, let's go. You got to fucking be brave you know like if you want the tattoo like have some conviction in your voice and speak up you know like yeah like no one's they're there they're you know like <laughs> it's a service industry but it's like not gonna hold your hand either like you should earn it a little bit you know yeah. so so he was funny because he comes he's like, i'm a little nervous like i don't want to do this or whatever and then i'm like let's go so i go get tattooed get like a six hour like moco style tattoo that wraps around my leg and I like text him. I'm like, all right, you know what? Like I talked to the artist a little bit, like come in here. You're going to be soft, whatever. He comes in, he's like a little quiet. And like, again, the artist isn't saying anything. And I'm like, so are you going to fucking speak or what? Like, let's go. And he like speaks up and I'm like, all right, I'm going to take off. Like, you know what? Like you guys figure this out, you know, type (laughs) of thing. And all of a sudden, like I see him back at the hotel, like 10 hours later and he has his whole thigh down. And it was, it was amazing. And he was just like, so stoked. And he's like, honestly, I would have never gone in there without like a little push. I was like a little nervous. Yeah. I was like intimidated. I'm like, dude, I'm like, you want a fucking Stanley cup, you know, whatever. I think he won actually two Stanley cups at the time, like one in Anaheim, one in Detroit. He like, you know, like burly dude kind of, but it was like, if you're outside of your element, you know, and you're this, you know, then like, obviously it's different. So it's a little bit intimidating, but it's it's completely opposite now because you can walk and there's so many great artists that's the thing there are so many great artists now um and it's a very bizarre thing going and seeing unbelievable tattooers that don't have a tattoo and that is more prominent in these shops than i've ever seen and i'm looking around and that's when you see like a shop that's like kind of it's weird to say that there's like corporate tattoo shops now that are owned that are owned by basically like a backer that's not a tattooer. And then, and then you have, you know, artists that like guest artists that rent chairs and stuff and come in, but there's such a big difference to see in somebody that's an owner of a shop and then has people working there as opposed to a tattooer who owns the shop and then has their, because it's such a different world now it's it's crazy yeah but 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 the artwork though like the artists and the way people are tattooing it's uh it's pretty incredible how many good tattooers there are but again you know 
people need to understand, and this is something that has never changed and it will never change. And that is the number one rule, you know, unless it's your buddy, like, you know, cheap tattoos aren't good and good tattoos aren't cheap, you know? Yeah. And if there's, and the number one thing that you do not want to do is be like, Oh, well, man, like four hours of work over at this shop. He said, he gave me this price, you know, and you're like, dude, <laughs> sit in the chair, put an investment in, it's your body. And if you yeah. can't afford it, like just wait, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, it's, I, I love the, the, the industry and, and the, the way things were. Uh, yeah. Cause, uh, and I hope they, some of those places stay because those are the places that are fun to go to the ones that's kind of yeah. scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, you're like, yeah. Oh, you see all of a sudden you got like, yeah. Legitimate, like, biker gangs and punk rockers around right. there and this and that and you just you know it's an experience and it's like that was the counterculture and the subculture that i always loved and to be honest like i don't know if i grew up today if i would have this, you know maybe i would have same love for tattooing but i don't know if i would have traditional tattoos all over me you know because the whole thing is is like i wanted my tattoos like to look tough you know like i i, yeah. I like that look and the whole thing was like if it was good enough for your grandpa it's good enough for you you know i wanted a bold outline on every single thing and i didn't give a shit how much it hurt it was like you were supposed you know like if it didn't hurt then something was wrong you know it was like let's go you're supposed to earn it a little bit you yeah. know so i don't you know that's just always like the culture i have but that was again like that was you know, getting first tattooed in garages and listening to <laughs> punk rock and making a couple mistakes. And if you still like them afterward, well, then they were for you. And I've never once ever been like, man, I hate this. I hate this. I've always been like, man, I'm actually really, I guess, lucky that I love every one of my tattoos and I love tattoo culture, I guess. So, yeah, very cool. I think it's yeah. getting like I had some couple shitty ones from a kid and, and, uh, but they're part of my history. Yeah. So I'm not, they, they, they might be look stupid or whatever, but it's kind of a part of you growing up. And, um, I keep, I've kept them all. I don't, I don't change. No, I mean, well, that's, well, and that's the other thing too, that I have like trouble with too, is that now you have tattoo shops that have like, uh, a built in like laser specialist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that to me, like I'm talking to some of my buddies, they're like old school and they look and it's like, they throw up in their mouth when they see a shop that has like a laser specialist yeah. that's there also. And they're like, what, you know, yeah. like what kind of business is this? You know, it's I like, get it. it's like, but it's yeah. just, it's just, it's just funny though. But it's just, you know, like I, like I said, I just, I don't know. I like the old school part of it. I think you should feel uncomfortable. And if you still want something, then you should have to go out of your comfort zone to, to make it happen. And I think that's just like a, you know, that's just part of the experience, but well, you know. well said, well said, buddy. Hey, yeah. I've, I've kept you long enough. I really, really appreciate it that you came on and very, very thankful. I, 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 it's been way, way, way too long. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And I, you know, tend to get rambling sometimes. I feel like we could talk forever. I haven't even <laughs> asked you about everything that you did. So I want to come back on and just pick your For brain sure. about your experience in China and yeah. LA and, and especially congratulations to all the success that your goalies have had too. 
Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, man. So, I appreciate it. No. I've, been, I've been watching. I've been watching and I always follow along and I love to see it. And uh, and especially like the moment you had with your son, like what a mate, like I was the biggest, <laughs> uh, man, I was the biggest fanboy when that was going on. And it's just <laughs> nice to see somebody that's been around grinding and especially like, you know, bridging gap played in Japan for so long, came mm-hmm. back over here, but then now have like really had a lot of success, um, you know, with guys that you had a big imprint on. So, uh, congrats on all that. Oh, and thanks, I, I, none of that goes unnoticed. I, I watch all of it. So thank you so much. Well, we'll definitely have you back on and, uh, all the best to you and your fam. And, uh, hopefully one of these times when you're back, we can, we can actually hook up in person. Of course, of course, we'll uh, we'll go see that. Uh, you know, it'll probably be so long. Black Label probably have to play a reunion tour. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Peace All right, to take you, care. Yeah, see you, man. I'd like to thank Cody for taking the time to come on the podcast. I had so much fun catching up with him, man. It's crazy, actually. We were only on the same team for one season. But sometimes, sometimes, you know, there's just that cool connection. Doesn't happen often, but with him and I, I think it did. Good times, man. Uh, That story of us going to Black Label Society concert, man, just priceless. Priceless stuff for me. I'm really thankful. Uh, well, that's it. That's all I got for you. I, I hope you guys have an awesome weekend. An awesome, awesome weekend. And remember what I always say. Stay safe, stay connected, and God bless. Peace.